Shiver me timbers! It's time for another episode of the Logcast. Who needs Davy Jones' locker when you have his podcast? Arr! Avast, me hearties! It's our hosts! Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Logcast. I'm your host, Kev Rose, and joining me today is... David Jones, as always, faithfully here every week. Do you know something? Time. <laughs> Do you know something, Dave? What's up? We've really got to work on making a snappier intro. I know we do. We should probably actually like discuss it, what we're going to say ahead of time, instead of just kind of like you know hoping we have a good time to chime in. Yeah, because like whenever you do it, it's like I don't know. You sound like kind of like anxiously relaxed, whereas when I do it, <laughs> I sound like nervously professional. <laughs> Hello, I'm Kev. I would like to. When within minutes we're talking about I don't know pissing on some chick or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe you're talking about that. Maybe I'm thinking about that right now. All right. Uh, well, you can continue okay. to have those thoughts, and I will continue to be respectful of women. Oh, I respect um, <laughs> any woman who can take that kind of... Uh, let's change subject. How are you doing, mate? Pretty good. Uh, first day of the weekend. Nothing too exciting yet. Um yeah, I, oh. I, not, I don't really know what more to say than that. Um, You've time-stamped this thing. Hmm? You've just time-stamped the episode. Oh, know when we... shoot, yeah. I, I forget, sometimes I forget we're having a podcast. <laughs> still, still haven't seen Spectre yet, so we can't talk about that like we were going to. Oh, really? So you don't know that Bond uh, learnt how to fly? <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm seeing it tomorrow. I just, um, I... I Figured I'd be busy with podcast stuff today, so I figured we'd we'd go tomorrow with them. Take Money a- Penny, why have I got fucking wings growing out of my <laughs> spine? It's because Bond, you're a bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, gone all supernatural on us. Sweet, does Money Penny turn into like a lizard or anything? Yeah, that's racist. <laughs> that's racist. <laughs> oh, just because she's black, she's got to have a long tongue, and I get it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I would never even make that connection, so who's racist now? Yeah. And plus, I'm white, and I've got a really long tongue, ladies. <laughs> okay. So, um, you going to ask how my week was? Or how did your week go, Kev? Please it was all right. Me. It was alright, mate. I, uh, I finished Halo 5. Oh, as did I. Yeah, well, I think you had already finished it before we did the last episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true, because I, I complained about the story being kind of shit. Yeah, I mean, I still don't want to spoil it. Like, I'm not going to give too much away. I'm not that bothered, because it's not a rare game. I don't think the audience that listens to this cares, <laughs> but we'll wait a couple more weeks before we actually talk about the twist at the end. But I'm going to agree with you that so far, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm pissed off, but I'm concerned with the direction the story's going. Yeah, like, it could get turned around, and part of me thinks it is going to get turned around, just because the way they kind of turned around all the controversial stuff from Halo 4 immediately within, like, you know, the first hour of uh, Halo 5. Some wonder. What, you mean like all the problems with the Prometheans? Well... Well, okay, I think everybody now knows that Kirtana's not dead, so that's kind of what I meant. (gasps) 
Uh, I'm okay with spoiling that because they pretty much reveal that within like the first few minutes of the game. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> but yeah, but basically my point was is that you know that was kind of the controversial thing with last games that they killed Cortana, and then they immediately undid that with Halo Five. So. Yeah, but I liked that a... she was dead. I, I I thought it showed development with the, uh, you know, they weren't afraid to kill off a main beloved character. You know, series have to change. They have to evolve to keep yeah. up with the times. Like that was another. Like I was okay with with them bringing her back, but that should have been way later in the game that you discovered she was still alive. <laughs> Well, I guess, but then again, it's kind of the driving force of the plot, isn't it? It's what's, it is what sends Chief off on his road mission. There, there's just so much. I get there's so much wrong with the plot that I could. I think I could legitimately have written a better story. <laughs> the thing is, like, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I was thinking about it. The best analogy I can come up with is: imagine if at the end of the Empire Strikes Back, Obi Wan became the big bad of Star Wars. <laughs> You know, it just it right. I'm not saying anymore, but yeah, um, yeah. I think I think they're gonna figure it out from that now. So I guess, yeah. Um, we're sorry if you're really into Halo and you haven't played it yet. Spoiler which, alert. Uh, though, if if you are really into Halo, you probably already played it. So, and if yeah, you're exactly. not, you probably don't care. I hope. <laughs> Please don't send us hate mail. Please don't. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah. anyway, I mean, I, I, yeah, mechanically though, I completely agree with you. I think it's the best in the series. I love the way you control in that game, and we played a little bit of the multiplayer this week. That was really f- not just the co-op, which I'll get into another week, but the um, the competitive multiplayer seemed a lot more back to basics yeah. as opposed to part four, which seemed to veer more towards the card stylistics. Whereas this one, it seemed to go back to like, uh, it felt more like the, the first three. Mm, yeah, and the rank, the ranking system is kind of interesting to me. I don't know. How, I mean, you, know, you probably haven't played enough of Arena to really get that. Oh, I can't really. Yeah, we only played like yeah, two but, or three matches. Yeah, basically, you play if you play ten games, you get ranked, and there's like you know like gold, bronze, silver, and that's and if you do bad, you go down rank. You go down a ranking. But yeah. not sort of a level. So once you get in, like say, so you you make it from silver to gold. Even if you start sucking, you'll stay in gold. Okay. So you basically will fight to get to the next level. But if you do bad, you'll keep going down in the gold rank. But if you keep consistently doing good, then you could rank up to the next level above that. So it's still it's still it, it won't throw away all your hard work if you have a bad week. Yeah, but so it's still... kind of like basically once you reach a milestone, you can't regress past yeah, the yeah. that point. And okay. I just I just found out too that you can sell your wreck cards and get more wreck points quicker, which was kind of really? nice because I was I was a little annoyed with how how grindy it is to get any type of customizable equipment. Mm. But you can pretty much just like all the, like the common cards, you can sell them for like seventy five wreck points a piece and. I sold all my shit today, and I got, like, two gold packs. And I got, like, a couple of new pieces of armor, so... I don't know. It's not perfect, but... I, I'm i having a good time with it. Okay. Well, um... Yeah, I... I 
I'm glad I finished the campaign anyway because I was trying to like clear the decks before uh, Fallout 4 comes out on Tuesday, which I know that's going to completely steal my life. Oh, there's too many games coming out. It's not fair. I mean, <laughs> first talk about first world problems. Because <laughs> I think I don't know if we. I think I might cave on Battlefront too after seeing some more footage of it. Like I'm gonna wait a bit longer on that. Like as much as I love, I love the old Battlefront games, and I'm really in the Star Wars mood. I just I don't really want to spend. Um, I'm not. We went over this the other week, but the amount of money it costs for the game plus the season pass, it's just yeah. extortionate. That does bother me a little bit. At the same time, I, I'm kind of uh, pleased it doesn't have any really stupid like pre-order bonus nonsense or anything like that, which I almost think is worth, uh, excuse me, worse than a overpriced season pass. Because at least, you know, there's not some random shit that you'll never be able to get unless you buy it within a certain time frame. Yeah. That's the stuff that honestly really pisses me off more than anything with modern gaming, where it's like, you have to buy it now. You have to pay for the game ahead of time, even if it's not finished yet. You'll never get this one piece of content. And yeah, and it kind of like, it just drives that, I don't know, like, you, you kind of have to, like, if you don't earn that much money month on month, you'll suddenly be like in poverty for a month just so you can get like the, the first edition as quickly as possible. And it works too. Uh, sadly, I like if it's a game I really like, you know, I'll want that extra piece, and it'll bug my OCD nature not to have it, even though I know I'm contributing to the problem by buying into it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I do appreciate the idea of rewarding early adapters, but I don't know. Like, I think they could find a better balance with a lot yeah. of games. I did like the way. Um... Let's see, I liked the way, but I was okay with the way um, at least last couple of Assassin's Creed games did it, where each retailer had an exclusive mission, but then, like, you know, all three of those missions were later released uh, as part of the season pass, just later down the road, so all you were doing is just getting a little mission early. So that that was alright. It's just, I hate it when, um, when it's literally something you'll never get again <laughs> like i think there was one um it's just the stupidest thing but basically it was in destiny i think and yeah. activision did this thing where if you pre-ordered advanced warfare you would get like this uh code to get a special armor color in destiny and now i guess that's going for like five or six hundred bucks on ebay now because there's no seriously other yeah it was ridiculous yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's the type of thing I hate, and then people exploit it. But, well, um, yeah. Anyway, so this kind of like sums up exactly why I'm just avoiding this whole scene at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you know, I brought Halo because it's like a tradition for me. I mean, I love the franchise in general, regardless of the multiplayer. I really love the universe and. Uh, I've brought every Halo game on day one since Halo 2, so there was no way I was going to pass that up, but a lot of these other games, I just, I don't know, I'll just avoid until they yep. go cheaper. I'm not going to get, I just won't allow myself to get sucked into the hype. <laughs> um, Fallout, though, um, the thing is, I know, I mean, it's cost me like what, £36 or something, not too much, and I know that's going to give me like at least 
at the very least 200 hours of gameplay. And there's absolutely nothing scummy with it. There's no shitty pre-order bonuses, no microtransactions, nothing. Oh, there it's are the pre-order, but the, the, the Pip-Boy thing, but I missed that months ago. Yeah, what but do you mean in-game? Do you mean... Yeah, there's nothing in-game. I mean, there's like physical items and stuff, which is what I absolutely think pre-order bonuses should be. Like, I remember pre-ordering shit at Toys R Us and getting, I think I got like my stuffed mumbo-jumbo uh, toy from <laughs> pre-ordering Banjo-Kazooie. Or N64. That's the cool stuff. That stuff you get to keep forever. It's meaningful. And it doesn't change the game in any way. So... So, so um... Is Fallout 4, like, and, and none of them come with, like, a special armor or anything? If you pre-order it from a no, certain store? Not that... I haven't seen anything. It's, I don't think uh, they've done that with any of their games. New Vegas did. I'm sure if you got New Vegas from a certain store when it came in the UK, you got a special armor. Oh, okay. I'm sure of that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm specifically remembering back to that time. Okay, remember... you, you might have been right. Um, I don't really remember the launches of those the past few games. I remember there wasn't anything for Skyrim. And I, know, I haven't seen anything for Fallout 4 other than physical bonuses, like posters and the Pip-Boy. Hmm. And there's a there's a season pass, which I know some people think is a little bit scummy because people don't like those at all. But it's it's reasonably priced, and it's not like anything's locked behind it that's even done yet. Well, how much is it? It's somewhere between twenty and thirty bucks, I think. Which is oh, it's like what fifteen twenty quid. Yeah, and which is fair to me. Yeah, I mean, when pass. when the Fallout Three DLC came out, they're all like. Three pound ninety nine each, and there was five. So yeah, it would have cost like twenty quid altogether anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah. Anyway, look. Well, that's all. That's all to come. Um, but no, this week. Yeah, I played a bit of Halo. Um, I don't know. I didn't get up to too much this week. Uh, I was going to go to a fireworks display for Guy Fawkes night, but it got cancelled because it was raining really bad around here. So, I went and got a whole load of fireworks. Oh, I didn't tell you about this, yeah? I got some uh, some dodgy firework rockets, and I was setting them off in my garden. And the one, <laughs> one of them was a little bit bent, and I thought, oh, I'll be alright. And I kind of shoved it into the ground at an angle. I thought, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And then I lit it, and then as it, as it like, exploded, it tilted, fell off to the side, and shot straight into my neighbor's garden, and, like, blew up. <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome. Fuck. Well, it would have been, I don't know, I'm, I'm just glad he wasn't in, because like there were no lights on, but I, it literally, it was like a bomb going off in his garden, and I was like, shit, I, I thought it was going to set fire to the place. Um, well, I felt really sorry for my, my, my eldest son, started screaming and ran into the house, <laughs> he thought it would like, set fire to everything. <laughs> we're all going to die! <laughs> so, I think I've ruined fireworks for him. Oh, that's sad. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've seen some cool pictures. I was looking at some pictures of people uh, just having these huge bonfires over there. It made me kind of jealous because those bonfires are bigger than anything I've ever seen on Fourth of July. Really? Yeah, I've seen this this ma- like like I don't know. I mean, maybe I just don't go to the cool enough Fourth of July parties. But like normally, it's just like a small campfire type thing. And then it's oh, like no, we, everyone we has like these huge bonfires in the UK apparently for Guy Fox Day. Yeah, yeah, we do like um I don't know, like sometimes I'll be like 
like 10 feet high, these huge bonfires. You just get all your trash and throw it on. Any wood or cardboard you've got that you need gone. I was going to do one because I've got like loads of shit I need to burn, but then yeah. it rained. So <laughs> it was really See, tough. Is there no sort of like uh, legal legality around like what you can burn? Because I'm pretty sure for like some of those things, for the, the size of some of those bonfires, you'd probably need some kind of burn permit in the United States. No, no. The only thing is, like the fifth, the fifth of November, and the and the following weekend, like basically from the fifth of November up until the nearest Sunday after, um, you're allowed to have bonfires any size in your garden, but they have to be like a certain distance away from the nearest like trees and bushes. It's it just depends how much, how many trees and bushes you've got in your garden, really. Okay. But like my my bar, bar my garden's pretty barren aside from like right at the end there's some trees but most of it's just sort of plain flat grassland so um yeah maybe i'll burn some stuff tomorrow if it's still but if not i'll do it at new year's it's no big deal (laughs) uh we all need an excuse to burn something yeah (laughs) did you oh just quickly um actually I suppose, yeah, this could take us into the news, whereas I we didn't actually have this listed on the document, um, and we're kind of going out of sequence here, but talking about Guy Fawkes Night, did you see that video of the um, Donkey Kong 64 explains Guy Fawkes Night? Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. That was just, I, it, I was like, what the, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, I liked it, but I was so baffled, like, what, <laughs> what, was it Nintendo Life? Think, yeah, it was it, it was Nintendo Life. I, I just I'm confused to like how someone even came up with that. It's like, hey, this is the best way to explain it with Donkey Kong Country or Donkey Kong sixty four. I mean, I I assumed it would be like um, you know, like a couple of little clips, like I don't know, for like ten seconds, haha, joke over. But like the whole thing was really intricately planned. Like everything he described, they showed a DK sixty four equivalent of that action happening. It was just bizarre. Yeah, basically, for anyone at home who's confused as hell right now, Nintendo Life uploaded a video which was like a 10-minute compressed version of the story of Guy Fawkes. But to tell the story, they used Lanky Kong as an avatar for Guy Fawkes, and they used the rest of the DK crew as, like, the different members of the, uh, the, the what was it called, the gun, the gunpowder plot. Yeah. So, like, they were showing scenes from DK64 whilst describing the story, and it was always, like, matching it. Like, when they say um, about how Guy Fawkes jumped off the, the uh, was it the Tower of London? He jumped instead of being hung, so he, yeah. so he would avoid his, like, drawn-out execution. And they show Lanky Kong jumping off Creepy Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Candy just becomes sort of the generic one of the wives that betrayed them. Yeah. <laughs> Come closer and I'll show you how to use your gunpowder. <laughs> um but yeah, anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Um we'll go back in time a bit. Um the first piece of news we wanted to cover was I believe it it went up like just before we started recording the last episode or we were just too lazy and awful at what we do to check before we recorded. It could have been that as well, but it was definitely the same day we recorded. Do you want to go over that? Yeah, it was uh, just a little sort of a 
cool melody that uh, Robin Beanland and uh, some of a bunch of the other guys in the Rare Sound team made of uh, various uh, uh, songs that, of a spooky nature. So they had like the Killer Instinct Gold song, um, Mad Monster Mansion. Ah, uh, shoot. What was the first one? Oh, Grab by the Ghoulies, of course. Yeah. The disco Grab by the Ghoulies song. And then they just kind of, you know, Robin Beanland was there with his trumpet and they just kind of like played through all the songs and had a good time with it. They had like a little smoke machine. It was it was good for a laugh. I mean, nothing nothing to blow your socks off, but if you're a fan of those guys, it was definitely something you're going to want to check out. Definitely, definitely. Um and that can be found on any of Rare's social media pages, can't it? Yes. And also there's a link to it on uh, rarefriends.net as well. Yes, there is. That's a couple of news meant. items down because <laughs> we don't have very many of them <laughs> this week. Not this week. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, they... Uh, yeah, there was a spooky music. Um, it's pretty good. To be honest, I haven't checked it out since that night, but I did enjoy it. I remember enjoying it. It's just been such a busy week. I haven't had much time to revel in rareness. Um, <laughs> revel in rareness. I like that. <laughs> Coming up after that, it was like, what was this, Friday? The Sea of Thieves concept art? Yeah, they had, um, well, first it was Captain Bones tweeted out just like a little cool concept piece of a spyglass. And then it was like, get a hundred retweets and I'll give you another one. And then he... Um, uh, treated out a, uh, I believe it was a violin, mm. or fiddle, or which is the same thing. <laughs> I should probably actually look at the picture. No, they're different. Are they? I thought I thought a fiddle and a violin were the same thing. That's what I've been led to believe. I'm pretty sure. No, I I think probably should have looked this up, but I'm pretty sure a, a fiddle is part of the violin family. I always thought they just called. Different, but depending on the way you were playing it. I always thought it was the same instrument, but I'm probably completely mistaken. Okay. I'm probably (laughs) wrong. Sorry. Uh, Some, some, like, uh, guy who's been to, like, music school is just, like, pulling his hair out right now listening to us talk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. They're all all part of the string instrument family. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Um... But anyway, sorry, I, I kind of zoned out for a minute there. Why were you talking about fiddles anyway? Um, the second uh, Sea of Thieves uh, concept art um, after oh. the Spyglass. Mm, I didn't see that. I updated the article. But yeah, um, basically they did one, and then uh, Captain Bones is like, we'd feed this a hundred times and I'll give you another one. Oh. Yeah. I'm just checking it out now. Uh... All right. Yeah, it's... Um... Should be the top item on rarefriends.net right now. Oh, it looks like a violin. Which you said is a fiddle. Okay, yeah, I get what you mean. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Um, I'm more of a spyglass man myself. I find them more practical. I find it kind of interesting, though, that there's a like a concept art of just a musical instrument. Like, it's an actual equipable item or... Like that—that's really intriguing to me. Are you going to be able to like collect musical instruments and com- collect? A, maybe you could have like a, a instrument equipped, and you could have like maybe like an emote or something where you play that instrument, kind of like the dance emotes in other games. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? I don't know. Yeah, I, I just assumed like instead of having a, an ocarina or a wind waker baton, you'd have a violin. I just assumed 
that would be the instrument of this game. Oh, um, what if there's a pirate bard class and that's how he attacks with, a, <laughs> with the violin with singing she shanties? And, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Actually, didn't in Grab by the Ghoulies wasn't the, one of the grabbable items a violin? Oh, I'm sure there was like so many random shit you could pick up in that game. It was like Dead Rising before Dead Rising was a yeah, thing. Yeah, pretty much. It's actually a pretty good uh, uh, comparison. Yeah, I didn't even think about it whilst playing it through, but it just hit me now thinking about all the different items. I mean, there probably is slightly less variety than Dead Rising, but yeah, no, it feels a lot like a precursor. It's just it's a it's not so you know open world as uh, Dead Rising was. It's more of a controlled uh, Dead Rising. It's like if uh, like Resident Evil, one of the Resident Evil games mixed with uh, Dead Rising gameplay, kind of. Why Resident Evil? Um, just thinking of like that's probably maybe not a good comparison. I was thinking of something with like a more controlled uh, camera angles and mm. whatnot. I don't know because the thing is, when I think Resident Evil, especially traditional Resident Evil, I think of like how much backtracking you do. Whereas Gr- Ghoulies, it's like you're on a pretty much on rails, aren't you? Like you go from room to room to room. Yeah, I mean, you do backtrack though. It's just um, yeah, but that's part it's forced. Of yeah, it's the... forced. <laughs> yeah, it's a controlled path. Whereas Resi. You can kind of spend, you know, quite famously, if you go in there first time with no guide or help, it could take you like 10 hours to beat the original game. Whereas, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can beat it in two. So, uh, whereas Ghoulies, it's kind of, you just keep going till the end. There's no, like, you can never get lost in Ghoulies. Yeah, that, that is probably one of the few things that I don't like about Ghoulies, is I wish you could kind of go back. Even if but there's no be point bit... in doing it, just just so that... you could just do it though. But that would like that would break the entire game structured around the moving plot, and you know going. Yeah, I know. So I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I realize there's quite a few good reasons for you not to be able to do with that. It just can break immersion a little bit, not to like walk through a door and then instantly never be able to walk back through it again. Yeah. I don't know. So maybe even if it was just like a few rooms at a time where you had access to. <clears throat> yeah, but, but I mean, there'd be no maybe. point with there because you can't progress until you've wiped out a room. That's true. So if, if you went back, there'd be nothing left to do in there anyway. Well, theoretically, you could have sort of designed and structured the game about ha- with having access to maybe two or three rooms at a time. To give it, like, so then you might have to go get something from one room and take it into the other room and do something like that before you can progress into the next set of rooms. Well, I guess maybe that's what we could have got from uh, Need in the Nuts. The yeah, sequel that, yeah that, that would definitely be a good idea for the sequel, I think. Because yeah. didn't they say they were planning on more of an open, um, open, open-ish game for the sequel? Like it was going to be in, like, a village or something? Or am I making that up? No, it was going to be set in, was it, Ghoulville, but... I don't know if they actually said it would be more open. Or maybe that's just assumed. what we assumed, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it would have been anyway. I mean, the Goody's kind of... If you look at that team, what they do, how DKC2 built on DKC's very simple formula and expanded it in every direction, Banjo-Tooie, same thing, and I assume Goody's 2 would have... Uh, even Viva Pinata later on, even though it was a different team, did the sequel it still expanded a very simple concept in sort of like uh, 
much more varied direction. Yeah, so, that's true. I mean, rare. It's. I was having a discussion with a guy at the pub the other night about this. Funnily enough, he didn't even know I liked rare, but we somehow got onto this. He said how rare never do sequels, and then I, I went to talk, and he goes, "Oh, before you say Banjo Tooie or Donkey Kong Two, they're the exception to the rule." And I just felt like saying, "There's no such game as Donkey Kong Two. It's Donkey Kong Country Two. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, he had actually he he had a good point where he's saying like the few sequels they do do, they have to be justified. Like there's always a reason for them. Um, and he was saying how uh, he hates all the one online where people just ask for a new Conquer or a new Banjo and nothing else. And he said, "Look at Ra-. and this is he was almost channeling my thoughts where he said, "Look at Rare in their heyday." But the biggest praise they got was always from new IPs, you know, GoldenEye, Perfect Dark. Like Banjo-Kazooie was a new IP when it came out. Yep. And that was one of the most praised games ever released. I think the important thing is really just continuing the spirit of it. But I do think yeah. I do think that the IP they have is, at the same time, is valuable and they should use it. But that shouldn't be the sole focus of the company, company to turn out sequels. Like, I'd, just, I'd like to see, like, maybe, <clears throat> like... Two new IPs and then one old IP, and that can be like a. But do you think there were people at like the age we are now, back in the nineties, saying, "Oh, who wants this banjo shit? We want Battletoads Five or RC Param Three. <laughs> you know, probably someone got really enraged when uh, RC Param Sixty Four became Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, I'm sure. See, I ate it up. I didn't care like what it was. It had the rare logo on it. I was excited about all of it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, of course, I wanted the sequels to my favorite games, but at the same time, I, I loved the new ideas they were pushing out. And to me, it was just as exciting to see something like Jet Force Gemini as it was uh, to see, you know, um, Banjo Tooie. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe I was in the minority. Maybe I was just a fanboy. <laughs> I don't know. But I. Well, I was talking to Hyle from DK Vine about this the other night. Um, in the inner circle, we'll talk about that later. But um, I said how what I really want Rare to get back to uh, is that kind of um, the pattern they had in the late nineties, where each year they'd do one sequel, one original IP, and one portable game. And I guess in this era, you could replace a portable game for like a uh, a budget game on the Xbox Xbox. Uh, well, it's not called Live Arcade anymore, but you know what I mean, like the equivalent, mm-hmm. like a, say, 1999 downloadable title. So, like, uh, each, like say, for example, 2017, you could have a new IP, uh, Banjo 3, and, I don't know, um, some random online, you know, that could be a new IP, or like a, a little yeah, spin-off. Yeah, it could be new or old, I think. I'd like to see him do something kind of like um, how if you look at people like like Capcom with like the making new old Mega Man games, or or Sega doing like Sonic the Hedgehog four, you know, like ten years oh, later. No, 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 no. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that was a good game. Um, it wasn't Sonic four. It wasn't. Sonic. It was Sonic Rush three with the name changed, basically. Okay, but yeah, I'm. But my point I know is, what you mean. Yeah, I know. I get what you mean. I, I wasn't trying to say that was a good game, but like something kind of with that idea. So of, yeah, of I think sort Mega of doing Man... a classic 
a classic styled game on a modern console, except with high res graphics, with very short dev time and little money put into it. But it's yeah, really like cool Mega Man Nine and Ten it. is a perfect example, really. Um, yeah, except I, I think, I think they took it a little too far retro with those. It like literally looks like an NES title. <laughs> See, I like the middle ground where the gameplay and the way it's made is similar, but I I like to see kind of like a little bit more, a few modern things thrown in, mm. if that makes any sense. Like, pixel art is cool, but, you know, maybe put in some modern pixel scaling effects and rotations and zooms, zooms and stuff like that. I think 9, they had the right idea, though. I think 9, where it was to faithfully recreate an NES game, warts and all, but then with ten, they should have started expanding it into, you know, I I agree with what you're saying, but I think nine, it was okay to do one fully retro throwback, and then they should have expanded it from there. But what was weird, and I never understood this about Mega Man, was um, Mega Man seven and eight were developed games on much more powerful systems. So why did nine and ten suddenly go back to the eight bit style? Like, I could understand if all eight games were 8-bit, but they weren't. It was only the first six, so... Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm just appealed to nostalgia, I guess. Yeah, but then why, why not call it, like, Mega Man Classic or Mega yeah. Man Classic? I don't know. Like, I prefer, like, when to seeing retro throwback games, I prefer them to be at least 16-bit. Oh, I think it still has dude. the... It's, I'm sorry, it still has the charm to me, and having the more colors there, it's easier on the eyes to have real backgrounds. <laughs> Thing is, what I don't get, right, for the past probably 10 years now, we've been stuck in this, like, 8-bit nostalgia fest, which is okay for a time, but with, like, ukulele and stuff coming up, it's like we're skipping straight ahead to, like, the PS1 and 64 era nostalgia, it feels like we skipped right over 16-bit nostalgia. Um, there's been some. There was that, um... Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's an RPG that was literally... they Basically, these guys made an, a new RPG for the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive. And they actually released it on a cart you could buy. And they actually mm. ported it to Xbox uh, and PS4 now as well. I'll have to look up remember what it is, but that was yeah. Basically... There are there are a few, but but you get what I mean. Like I'd say ninety five percent of the big retro throwbacks are all going for pixel art, but eight bit aesthetic. Um, yeah, like, you get like some Shovel like Meat. You get some like Meat Boy, which kind of blur the line. Are they Meat Boy's more close to a Super Nintendo game? Um, but yeah, you, you look at it's like Shovel Knight and. I know, and the thing is, too, it's like, I don't really think it would be significantly harder to do a 16-bit styled game over an 8-bit game, so it seems like it's entirely a nostalgia-based reason they're doing it. <laughs> and um, what's interesting is, uh, yesterday I was showing my eldest son, because, oh, what was it? We were watching some Mario video on YouTube, and it had a clip from Mario Advance 4, you know, the Mario 3 for the Game Boy mm-hmm. Advance. And he got re- and he was really shocked because he's been playing a lot of Mario Maker later lately, and he was like, "Hang on, they remade Mario 3. I was like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Oh!" And then he made me like show him all about Mario All Stars and everything, and he was blown away. And then he said, "Hang on, why doesn't Mario Maker have these these graphics?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know actually." And I started thinking like, "It's true, isn't it?" Like, 
like say for Mario Maker, it's like the main focus is on the eight bit art stuff. I know you've got World and New Super Mario Bros. Two, but um, that it would have been cool if optional art styles you had the Mario All Stars versions of one and three as well. Yeah, like I honestly, after I played Mario All Stars, I had no desire to play the NES versions anymore. I thought those are like the definite <laughs> versions of the game, and they still yeah. played the same. Or at least as far as I could tell, maybe there's some purists out there that would tell me otherwise. I don't know. Uh, no, they don't play exactly this. The biggest change, I'd say, well, with Mario 1, the physics, they're a bit more floaty in All-Stars. And also, this is a big change that a lot of people complain about. Um, in Mario 1, when you're running and you hit a brick block, uh, you know, when you jump up and hit a brick... Um, yeah, you, you carry on like you maintain your momentum when you land. Whereas the All Stars version, if you jump up and smash a brick, you kind of stop on a dime when you land. Okay, which it may not sound like much, but can you imagine like for someone who knows the game really well, that would be a major game changer. Yeah, I can understand, especially for speedrunners and stuff. But yeah. to be honest, I never noticed the difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, where are we at? Um, okay, well, yeah, it's been a slow news week, but there's one more thing we wanted to talk about. Um, chances are most people listening to this are from DK Vine, so we don't have to go at the very least know what it is. Yeah, basically, uh, yeah, we mentioned DK Vine from the start of this pod of this uh series because uh, that's where me and Dave met. Um, DK Vine, it's one of the oldest fan sites on the internet still going. Um, it's been going 16 years now, and it's uh, a celebration of the expanded Donkey Kong universe, which includes Donkey Kong, Banjo, Conker, uh, Grab by the Ghoulies, Mr. Pants, Viva Pinion. Basically, everything rare that isn't a shooter, you could probably say. Yeah, like, <laughs> that, that was one of the most surprising things I learned when I discovered DK Vine. Is that you know when I was I I would admit I'm a I guess I'm a bad rare fan and that I didn't really go to the site or 16 years ago or really even really know much about it. Uh, there was a couple other rare fan sites I was more of a fan of. Um, yeah. The main reason is is that I didn't realize it was a rare fan site. <laughs> I had been thought for the longest time that it was just like a very particular DK focused site that only covered Donkey Kong related stuff. And then I think it was, um, I guess that would be this year, I actually discovered DK Vine for what it was, that they'd actually basically connected every, like, or nearly every rare game, or every rare game that they could find a way to connect logically, and created this sort of uh, fictional, I won't say fictional, because uh, it's obviously fictional, but created this sort of fan canon of uh, all the different games how they connected and that's what they covered and and it always makes sense it like mm-hmm. it, that <clears throat> sometimes it seems like a bit of a stretch but logically all these games fit together really well um <clears throat> and we're at the point now where every single current console uh has at least some dk i don't know if you know the ps4 is now dku <laughs> yeah because of minecraft because <laughs> of minecraft yeah they've got some rare a few rare IPs on like a new Minecraft pack on the PS4 version as well. Um, 
uh, <clears throat> and also, <clears throat> excuse me, we're now at the point where the DKU is connected through like one degree of separation from almost every franchise. Because like, for example, um, Skylanders, now Donkey Kong's in Skylanders, obviously there's a connection to Spyro. Um, Banjo-Kazooie guest starred in Sonic All-Stars Racing. So, the, you know, Sonic characters are kind of in the same universe. Um, but any anyway, um, yeah, check out DK Vine if you haven't. Uh, it basically, their canon, or fanon, we should say, begins from Donkey Kong Country and goes from there. And I'm not going to go through all the rules because it gets a bit complicated. So check the site out. The reason we're bringing it up is uh, they recently started a Patreon uh, where they're asking people to pledge money uh, for rewards because, I mean, they've been doing the site completely self-funded for the last 16 years, but this year they went to E3 for the first time and I think they kind of decided they want to put more of an effort into bringing some more de- sort of more um, impressive content and more... Um, it's all right, it's two AM. My vocabulary is going to shit. It's all right. <laughs> they kind of, you know, they they want to like make they want to make more of an effort to like really push the content forward. You know, do more video content. And um, like Chad, one of the guys who runs it, is going to start a Twitch chat, uh, Twitch channel. He's going to be streaming all his gaming. Um, they're going to be doing more audio shows. They already do like one or two podcasts already. Um, so anyway, yeah, they're asking for like. Anything between one dollar and well, I suppose you, you could pledge a million dollars if you wanted to. But um, if you get someone the time, can afford that somewhere, yeah. I mean, I've gone for the thirty dollar tier for now because um, I think they deserve every cent of that for the pleasure they've given me over the years. And to be honest, for the rewards you get. They are really, really cool rewards. Like um, for twenty dollars, you can get like Chad. He can do the voice of pretty much any DKU character, and he'll do like a one-minute recording of any script in any DKU character's voice. And um, for thirty dollars, uh, one of the staff, Matt Corner, he'll do a personalized DKU song featuring your name as the lyric. Which me and you, I think neither of us have finalized what we want to have done. Exactly, yeah. but we're going to have we some keep, fun with that. Yeah, we keep meaning to have a discussion about it so we can both sort of coordinate and then we get busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, <clears throat> check it out and uh, you know, don't feel like you have to donate, but if you got a few bucks lying around and you want to uh, help out a couple of guys who have done <laughs> far more than us for a much longer time. Then, yeah, uh, they've really been really instrumental of keeping uh the rare fandom alive as so many other sites have fallen yeah they they deserve uh, all the respect and money you can give them and um 25 dollar mark you could get in the uh dk vine inner circle chat room which is probably the best reward out of all of it believe it or not (laughs) it 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 takes it's cool because you know there's because you have to pay to be in it, it's not full of just people causing trouble. And the people that are there are generally interesting people, and the conversations get pretty weird. <laughs> but amazing <laughs> at the same time. So I've been really enjoying being part of that. 
and just discussing random bullshit with like-minded people. Well, what's cool is it just never stops because, um, you know, you've got people from all over the world, like Australia, America, UK. So kind of any time you go on there, there's usually at least two or three people talking. Um, and like Heil, uh, another one of the lead staff on the site, he's kind of a night owl anyway. So like if I go on there at like 9 a.m., 4 a.m. in his time zone, he's still on there chatting away, <laughs> which is really surreal actually, but... No, um, <clears throat> check it out anyway. We're not going to bang on too much about it, but um, yeah, DK Vine. If you need anywhere other than Rare Friends, which I don't see why, they should definitely be your <laughs> next step. Yes, you can sign up for their forums as well. Yeah. But please sign up for ours too, because <laughs> yeah. we need more people. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, you were a little depressed last week, weren't you? Because... You're, uh... I know. I, I got through the last diary, and it turns out apparently everyone died. So, but, you know, interesting thing uh, happened yesterday. I actually was just, you know, checking the mail, and I got some, a very strange-looking uh, cassette tape in an envelope. And so I just kind of, like, pulled that out, and it looks like things might not be quite over for our heroes. Really? Yeah. So, um... I don't know. I didn't. Re- there's no recap because this is kind of a new thing. But if uh, to briefly refresh you guys, uh, basically um, Xbox Avatar is a character. Uh, him, Mr. Pants, Drumstick, and uh, Saberman's daughter, Mireille Mire, Mire, Mire Mare. <laughs> I can barely pronounce that name. They they rescue um, they rescue Xbox Avatar or Xander because it's abbreviation for for Xander. Oliver Xavier Avatar, or I think I forgot one of his names, but yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, they rescue they rescued Xander. They got uh, kidnapped by Captain Black Eye, and Drumstick used his magical abilities to teleport them to Donkey Kong Isle. And then there was a vote, and uh, that determined which uh, timeline um, occurred, and they all got eaten alive. And then I got this tape, which seems to say that Drumstick may have intervened yet again. Okay, well, uh, why don't you stop babbling and play it? I will do that. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, everyone, make sure to clear out your eardrums, because this is pure audio bliss. The Legacy of Drumstick, The Third Great War. A Rare and Friends audio drama. Santa, thanks for coming out. My pleasure, Mary. How are you doing? We haven't talked since we exposed it. I know. I'm so sorry. I haven't had time to catch up until now. Come in, come in. Don't you lollygag on my doormat. Thanks. Nice place you got here. You're welcome. Have a seat wherever you like. Can I get you anything? Glass of water would be great. Thank you. Okay. One moment. So, you seen any of the old gang since you got home? Joanna, not so much. When Mr. Pond stops by for a cup of tea every now and then. <laughs> yeah, of course he would. Okay, here you go. One water for you. Thanks. So what about Drumstick? Any word from him after the incident? <sighs> no. The only people who would even claim that 
of those cult of drumstick folks that Joanna gave birth to. He didn't save all of us. Maybe he deserves his own religion. Did he? We're here, aren't we? Then why do I remember my own death? Why do I remember those teeth and claws tearing into my flesh? I don't know. I remember it all too, but here we are. Yes, here we are. One moment we were dead, the next moment floating over our dead bodies, watching as those vile Kremlins roll in our blood, engaged in sexual intercourse with our disemboweled organs. Who was there? Mirei, no need to describe it so. Oh, I'm sorry. I try to remember the good parts. The white light, drumstick in his golden robes, laying his feathers on our foreheads. I never felt so happy, so at peace. And then there we were, home safe and sound. Safe and sound. Until the war started. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that Joanna Dark's cult of drumstick or COD would have such geopolitical dominance that angry old might men around the world from both sides of the political spectrum would band together and form a private military organization dedicated to their destruction. That just seems insane that that actually happened. The League of Furious Old White Guys. Or the LFOWG for short. It's like they don't even try to hide what they are. Of all the ways for World War Three to start. Yes, uh, that's actually that's the reason I invited you over here. As a British citizen whose country aligned themselves with the LFOWG. There was always a possibility that I could be conscripted into the military. I got the letter three days ago. I guess now's as good a time as any to let you know the United States drafted me to fight for the cult of drumstick. Supposed to ship out next week. What do we do now? I just don't know. Vote for what happens next. A. Xander betrays his country and both he and Mirei join the LFOWG. B. Mirei betrays her country and both she and Xander join the COD. C. Mirei and Xander decide to form their own rebel splinter group and fight both organizations to free their countrymen from a war where no one wins. D. Mirei and Xander dodge the draft and try to escape to a neutral country to wait out the war. To vote, please go to... Take that you dirty maggot infested whore. There is only room for one sexy robot on this podcast. As the dumb blonde, oil dumpster was saying, to vote. Please go to the Rare and Friends forums and vote in the official log past thread for this episode. Or leave a comment on the episode posting on rarefriends.net. You can also vote by email by dropping us a line at rareandfriends at gmail.com. I will end with the wise words of the great sage Katy Perry. I wanna see your peacock, cock, cock your peacock, cock your peacock, cock, cock your peacock. I wanna see your peacock, cock, cock your peacock, cock your peacock, cock, cock. Text me your numbers. I'm up late. Oh my god, the sexy robot's back. <laughs> back with a vengeance. Oh, like, I'm, i I got to admit, I'm kind of glad those guys survived, because I was interested in hearing more of their adventures. 
but I think I could listen to that robot do like a one-man show for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad he's become such a fan favorite of yours. Maybe he could even have his own spin-off where he goes on blind dates. That's true. Oh my I mean, god, we should so set that up. Like, we shouldn't even be calling calling um, this robot a he, because the gender is a little up in the air right now, so... I'm, I'm not really sure. Okay. <laughs> we might have to do an interview and ask him about his gender identity and sexual preferences. Yeah, let's cancel the David Wise we've got scheduled for next week <laughs> and just bring in the Irish robot. <laughs> like, get out of here. We don't care about Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack. we got a homicidal... <laughs> All right, fellas, I was going to write a new Donkey Kong Country score exclusively for reference. Oh, fuck off. We want the Irish <laughs> robot. <laughs> Here's my raw files from DKC2. I just found them. You can have them. No, I don't want them. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, no. <Right. clears throat> For some reason, David Wise, and you're listening, and you want to send us things of that nature, please do so. Yeah. Come on, Dave. You know, and, you know and please sense. autograph something and also send it to me so I can put it on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about special guests... Um, I've been having some fun on my own this week, away from you. Yeah, that's probably why you're having fun. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I've been doing? Um, sounds like you've been getting uh, into some more million rare stuff. Yeah, um, for anyone who hasn't checked it out yet, um, the first episode of Million Rare went live on YouTube, but I think it was just about the same time as the uh, the last podcast, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it actually, I think I got that. On YouTube, slightly before the podcast went up, it was like about 10 minutes in between the two. Okay. Well, yeah, it's on the YouTube channel. Uh, we're actually thinking, because it's audio only, we're thinking of adding it to the uh, iTunes stream and having like a an MP3 download link as well, which I think is probably wise. So keep an eye out for that if you don't really want to have a YouTube tab open for 30 minutes for audio only. Um but yeah, it went pretty well. The reaction was pretty good to it. And I expected maybe one or two people to offer to do an episode. But I've actually got a list of like seven people waiting to do an episode now. It's kind of crazy. It's just blown up over the week. See what you've done, Kev. You've created so much work for yourself. And so much fucking money I've got to give out in prizes. <laughs> you better take on a second job. Yeah, bloody hell. Um, yeah, so last night I recorded episode two with uh, Sun Wukong, a a good guy from DK Vine, real name Zach. Uh, I won't give any spoilers, but it's a slightly longer episode than the gym one. And I will say he did take at least some money home, but I'm not telling you how much. So keep an eye out for that. That that will go up a little later this week because we're kind of busy this weekend, but maybe it'll be up by Monday. So keep an eye out. And coming up, we've got some more guests. Uh, should I? No, I won't tell you who. But yeah, if you checked out the DK Vine stuff we mentioned before, then you'll know of at least one of the people coming up. Yep, uh, there was definitely discussions about this in the Inner Circle chat room. Ooh, there was actually, yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what are we talking about this week, Dave? Um, we are talking about Sea of Thieves and the trailer. And I, I feel like we never 
we all we didn't have a podcast when uh, <laughs> this went live, so I thought maybe it'd be a good week to kind of just sort of baselessly speculate on uh, the trailer and pick it apart like crazy people. Yeah, um, basically, I mean, we've touched on Sea of Thieves a number of times uh, since we started the logcast, but we've never actually done a dedicated episode, and we thought, what better time than when there's absolutely nothing more to talk about? We can just absolutely, <laughs> we could actually go back to the initial trailer and react to it frame by frame. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I'm going to drop something on you live on air now. We haven't discussed this already, but I was Uh-oh. thinking... Um, before we do anything else, shall we watch, <clears throat> excuse me, shall we tell the people at home which video we're watching so they can maybe load it up themselves and watch it in sync with us? We could watch like the whole trailer through once and react to it. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you okay with that? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, I'm just kind of like, uh, just talk about what we're seeing and then go back frame by frame. Yeah, I thought okay. that would be a good idea. Alright, uh, well, we're watching the Sea of Thieves E3 announced trailer on Xbox YouTube channel. It's 2 minutes 32 seconds. <clears throat> and right. um, I guess, should we do like a... Well, guys, load it up if you want now. Just pause us for a minute. Yeah, Yeep. okay. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so, should we do like a little countdown? Okay, and then we'll... Then you, you guys all have to hit play at the same time we do. Okay, it's like we're all in the same room yes. together. Yes, and then we're gonna we're gonna discuss what we're seeing. So, okay. three, two, one, and click. All right. So now I have a, a make <laughs> may contain content inappropriate for children. Hmm. And now seeing the following footage is captured live on an Xbox One. Hmm. And we have Shining Sun. Now. Yeah, when I first saw this, I've got to admit, I, I I did think for like ten seconds it was banjo for some reason. Yeah, I saw. I think I saw like the first person. And I was like, "What if it's Perfect Dark in a jungle?" <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's first person banjo. That's strange. First person banjo. So now we're heading round a corner. We mm-hmm. see a flame. Some, some cool birds. birds. Uh, nice shots of. Uh, Parry the parallel cows. bird. Yes, that's exactly what that was. Now this Um, this is beautiful. Look at the shadows on those leaves. I really enjoy the pirates and the the skeletons, uh, I should say. The pirate skeletons. Rare's always had a pretty good uh, take on dead humans. Yeah. Oh, look, and there's a kraken on a rock, and it looks like a ship may be fighting it. Mm. Oh, look, it's Laura Lutz, and she's running. Scaring Towards some birds. Ship. Yeah. Now yeah. this at this point I got very big uh black flag vibes. Yeah. Look, there's Obviously. Greg Miles eighty nine with the epic beard. <laughs> and now he's kinda got like a shot of uh, I love this water, dude. It's like yeah. out of everything in the trailer, I think I just like rewound this part the most. Just to look at those water effects. Even though this lantern seems really cool too. Yeah. Oh, oh. More skeletons. It's like, oh look, there's going to be combat, but we're not going to show it yet. We're going to cut away before you figure out the gameplay. <laughs> oh, that water! It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like the it makes, best water I've ever seen. It makes me thirsty for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Then there's just a bunch of cannons, you know, ships shooting at each other. Definitely very, black flag. very black flag, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Sea of Thieves. And okay, I love what they do here with the Rare logo. And how it's kind of tailored to the game. And I'm wondering if that's kind of something they're going to start doing now. Yeah, well, they plan to do that with the uh, Connect. You know the the rare logo they had during the Connect era. Yeah, and then it just ended up because all the games ended up being sports games, so they never did it, but they had planned to. Yeah, and I'm wondering if they're kind of carrying that idea through this, except more with a classic styled logo. Yeah. Um. That's the end of the trailer. All too short. So sad. Actually, come to think of it, yeah, rare replay. The start of rare replay. The rare logo there, it was kind of different to the actual official pin. It was more, it was like paper, like yeah. paper cut out of the rare logo. And I've seen some them use just a pure white one when when it's on materials relating to like really retro games. Yeah. So they kind of like a, make it look like Spectrum graphics or something. So I think that's going to be kind of a thing they're doing now, which I think is pretty cool. So they have like a default-based one, and then they're going to like maybe stylize it for each genre of game they do. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah, so initial thoughts from rewatching the trailer? I want it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen this like a hundred times now. So it's probably, I don't know, each time I see it, I, I do probably think of a few different things. It's just the water really stuck out to me this time, just how good it looks. And it's like, I, I don't know how long it took them to, to perfect that. Because <laughs> it definitely looks better than what was in Connect Sports Rivals, and the water looked really nice in that game. It's like they took that and like just went crazy with it. Is oh. it almost... Go ahead. Can you think of another game with water that impressive? I've seen some decent ones, but nothing that just looked like actual water simulation. Like, I'm sure there's some trick behind it, but it looks like a legit water simulation looking at just how the waves work. I remember Black Flags looked really, really good, but not quite as good as this. Yeah, and a lot of that is just like, um, like, you know, like texturing and reflections and that type of stuff. Yeah. But to see the actual waves move and splash in that manner, like, suggests, like, a greater physics simulation running in the background. I mean, they might have found a way to fake it to make it look that good. But even if they, even if they are faking it, it's still really impressive that, you know, the eye doesn't catch that they're using some trick to make it look like a full-fledged physics simulation. Yeah. I mean, I'm... Uh, you know, I don't know much about the technical side of all that shizzle, but um, no, I can imagine like the water alone, like how much dev time that would have needed to get it looking that good. Yeah, I know from what I've heard from devs is that water is always sort of one of the hardest things to do. Isn't it like water and fire? Yeah, the hardest things to make look and hair. <laughs> hair as well, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I that. That's why the whole like I think why the whole bald space marine thing started so much is because it was so much easier to make everyone bald and not have to deal with hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at like say Resident Evil, for example, like the more recent games where the graphics are all really good, but like the hair always looks a bit off. You know, 
whatever happened to like the cool like um fur graphics that like rare did in Star Fox Adventure and Live and Reloaded? Like I thought that looked really cool and I always thought the graphics were gonna kinda of build off that. Instead they just kind of went like more cartoony and just got rid of any fur simulation, which I thought furry was kind of sh- sad. Furry shenanigans, it's cool. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Well, I guess Retro stole them, because Tropical Freeze, I know you've got a couple of issues with it, but you've got to admit the fur effects on that game are absolutely stunning. Yeah, they, they, I still don't think they look as good as the as what um, Rare did, because it's still a more... Oh, it's a more of a cartoony no. style. I mean, the fur looks good, but I mean, the art look style at- in general, it looks... It's less... It's more intentionally cartoony, whereas Rares was like bringing a cartoon into as realistic as it could possibly be. So there was uh, a lot more jagged lines and sort of intentionally cartoon, cartoonisms than I thought in Retro's games. I don't know though, dude. Look at Funky Kong. Like I think he looks the best out of all of them. Ironically, he's not playable, yeah. but like you know, I there's think... definitely some good graphics in there, and I did really enjoy Tropical Freeze. And Donkey I just, Kong, just I just he looks like you just want to cuddle him. Like <laughs> you can put, compare that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I adore the old rare renders, but I mean, if you look back at them now, like it's weird. Like Donkey Kong's wearing kind of like a jowled orange suit, whereas now he looks like a cuddly ape. Like I actually want to fall asleep in his arms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> Well, they definitely they definitely stepped up their game from Returns uh, in the graphics department. Yeah, I mean Returns looked decent for for a Wii game. Returns did look really nice, but um, I just think Tropical Freeze they it it, it just felt like they'd taken Rare's old furry shenanigans and taken them to the next level. Yeah. But you you personally, they just didn't strike you as as much as the uh, no, early two thousands yeah. Rare. It, it it's it's more just the different art style than that that 90s rare group had i mean even even modern rares definitely has a more cartoony art style than what they used to but there's something just about the way that i mean you can see it now in platonic the way that they approach the designs with almost um it's almost like they were trying to take a cartoon and make it look as real as it possibly could look and there was just something cool about that idea it's like, you know, it's just, this is what these creatures would look like as if they stepped into the real world. I, I think I enjoyed that, but... I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it a different way, and I enjoy it that way, too. But there's just something about the way that they did it that had a certain amount of charm that I haven't really seen in other games since. Well, fair enough. Um, I mean... I suppose similar to the furry shenanigans, one one style that really stuck out to me this year, I was actually, I don't know if I mentioned it on here, but getting Rare Replay was the first time I ever played the Viva Pinata games. And um, I, I love the Pinata effects. Like when you zoom in really close on the Pinatas and like, you know, the way the, the paper sort of blows in the wind mm-hmm. because like, obviously they're made up of all these tiny little paper strands. And it's like there's some things you don't even think about it being like tiny bits of paper and then you zoom in and you just see how many individual pieces of paper are making up that creature. You no, know, Rares had an incredible intentional intention to detail 
like more so than most people would think you would need to be acceptable. Yeah. I think that's part of what's made them so good through the years. It's like, you know, good has not been good enough. It has to be the, one of the most visually striking things you've seen in a game every time they put something out. And I think that's really cool. It's like, I don't know. It's like what other dev can really say that. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's plenty of games that have good graphics but even when they do, you don't really notice them because, like, oh, it's supposed to have this kind of graphics. It looks realistic, so you don't really notice it unless it's bad. Whereas games that are have more artistic liberty, like Rare's games, that you know go for these colorful environments and whatnot, like they just really stand out because of what they are. Yeah. I mean, um, like even nuts and bolts for all its flaws, like. I've never been keen on the uh, the artistic direction the main stages took with like the intentionally fake design. Mm-hmm. But but if you look at Showdown Town, that's probably the most beautiful hub Rare's ever created. Yeah, there's there's still some pretty cool levels in there too. I love um, oh, what's it called Log Seven Twenty level where it's like you're inside a game console. That one was really cool. Yeah, that's cool. The best bit about that level is the uh, the game disc. Yeah, I know. I love those so much. <laughs> and, and, and like, did you read the the little the small print along the bottom of each disc? Mm-hmm. Where it's always yep. like some satirical joke. Like, I think my favorite one. I think it was the Banjo Tui one, where it's like um, Bear and Bird team up and split up for uh, what was it like? Overindulgent large sequel. Is it too big for its own good or something like that? It's just absolutely brilliant. I know. Like that the whole script of that game was brilliant. It's like it's it's so where people need to play it and not just judge it because it's not uh Banjo three. There's so much fun to be had there. And the other's flaws, but it's it's still a rare game to its core. Yeah. And no one would have a thing to say bad about that game, I think. If the main character wasn't Banjo. <laughs> or if we'd had Banjo 3 a year before yeah. or a year after. Like, if that was a spin off game, either in the wake of Banjo 3 or to fill the gap before Banjo 3, I think it would have been much better ex- uh, yeah. sort of accepted by the, by the massives. But it's because that was the only thing sort of between the GBA spin offs. And to present day, like excluding the XBLA and Rare Replay ports, that was the only Banjo thing released. So, yep. it, yeah, I mean, I understand <clears throat> people's complaints. It just sometimes it it goes into the realm of just purely emotional and not any logic to it. <laughs> like it, that was two thousand eight. I think at this point we can kind of accept it now. I hope anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I liked it at the time. Like, I'm one of the only people who actually played it through 100% yeah. back in the day. I don't think I ever 100%ed it. I got pretty close, though. There's a few jiggies I think I didn't end up getting. I have to, I'll have to go through it again now that I have it on Rare Replay, but I've, I've barely touched that one so far. But, yeah, I had a great time with it. And it was... I think probably one of my favorite things I had played from Rare since the buyout, personally. Like, um, I'm trying, 
trying to think of anything else I liked better than that. Like, I liked Cameo, but I still felt it was kind of short. Perfect Dark Zero wasn't as good as the first one. Viva Pinata was really good, but it wasn't quite my cup of tea, just from a Game Boy standpoint. It was a good game for what it was, but it wasn't my favorite genre. Banjo, while Nuts and Bolts well, wasn't a Banjo game, it still was, really felt like a rare game, and it felt like it was developed and brought to its fullest. It felt complete, it felt long, there was tons of things to do, a lot of creativity put into it. Like, it wasn't Banjo 3, but it was still a really good rare game, like something we'd mm. expect from the 90s. Um, I think, uh, I think Trouble in Paradise is the best game they've done post-buyout. Uh, I understand what you're saying, that you're not really into simulators, so there's only so much you could like it, but you haven't played too much of Trouble in Paradise, have you? I've played a little bit. Um, I've, I got everything in the first one, and I think I'm a little, that's probably why, so it's like, the, the sequel is kind of more of the same. I mean, it's, it's clearly the superior title. But to put, like, another, like, 50 hours into it like I did with the first one <laughs> is a little much. I don't know. It's fun and all. It's just, like, it... I don't know. It's fun, but is it sort of, you know, exactly what I'm into? I like games where I can explore more, and it's always kind of the same thing. Yeah. I don't want to try not to be down on it, because I do really like it. And the fact that I will play a game of that genre, because I, I don't like Animal Crossing at all, or Harvest Moon at all, and the fact that they took something similar to those two games and made it entertaining enough for me to even want to play it is really a testament to their work. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 I want it to come back now, man, because it's been like seven years since the last one. I think it's time... We got like uh, even if it's like a spin-off, you know, like maybe a sort of downscaled version, but with some new ideas. Could be a great portable game. I wish they still developed for Nintendo handhelds. Did you play the the port the DS version of Viva Pinata? Um, I tried it out on the emulator. I've been meaning to track down a cart so I can have it on my DS. Yeah, apparently it's one of the most technically impressive DS games. Like I haven't actually played it myself, but apparently, what they pulled off. Um, like blew everyone away back in the day. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. It seems really like the perfect um, format for that game. Yeah. So you know, I, I'd love. I, I need. I really need to get track down a cart. I imagine they're probably not too hard to find. Yeah, because it sold pretty well. I think it was their best-selling DS game, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. the only. It's the only rare game um, playable on my 3DS that I don't have. Because I have a Diddy Kong Racing DS cart, and I have. All the Donkey Kong Land games on Virtual Console, but I'm missing missing that one. Um, trying to think if there's another one you're forgetting about. Um, no, I guess that's it, isn't it? Yeah, there's no other rare yeah. games on. Nope. The Virtual oh, I should Console. I should track down um, GoldenEye Rogue Agent in the 2010 DS version. Because we technically cover them as well. <laughs> I'm, I know they're going to be terrible, but I kind of want to. I kind of want to play them to see what they are. I bet you can find them on like eBay for like a couple bucks each. Wasn't the portable rogue agent a GBA game? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was DS. Mm. I have to check. 
I'll have so, to look into that. Because I think that I think the 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 Bond games for the Game Boy Advance were like were like portable versions of like Nightfire and Agent Under Fire and stuff. Yeah, but I, I thought Rogue Agent came out like a year before the DS, so I'm a bit. I don't know. <laughs> we should know this. We cover the game. <laughs> we supposedly do. <laughs> no, so, um, should we go back to Sea of Thieves? Or yeah, I know we've gone on the tangent. Yeah. So let's let's go back to the very first part when we just see first see the like the first person hand for the first time. Um, this this part is especially interesting. Um, because shortly after this trailer um, debuted, uh, Grant Kirkhope posted on Twitter that this this first part of the opening intro, with a guy waking up looking around, is pretty much identical to the intro that they had planned for uh, Project Dream, mm. uh, which, for those who don't know, is the precursor to Banjo-Kazooie. It was basically an entirely different styled game, but it eventually evolved into that, similar to how 12 Tales evolved into Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. And that was going to be a primarily pirate-oriented game. A lot yeah. of people are kind of drawing parallels between Project Dream and Sea of Thieves, as it's, I mean, it's clearly it's clearly not the same thing as what it would have been back then. But I feel like this is sort of maybe uh, Greg Mills getting out those sort of creative desires he had back when he was doing Project Dream that he could never fully realize with the hardware he had back then. Yeah. So yeah, that's. That I think is when I saw that tweet. I mean, I when I first saw the trailer, I thought it looked cool, but I I was still a little skeptical skeptical because I really wasn't sure what it was because the trailer doesn't really show much at the same time. Mm. But then I saw that tweet from like Grant, and I was like, okay, I got I'm I'm way more excited now. <laughs> it's like if if uh, Greg Mail's creative fingers are that much over even just this little trailer, you know, this game is going to be good. Yeah, and I suppose we should talk a little about a little bit about the initial reaction to the trailer. It was kind of mixed online, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I can understand that because I was a little bit like I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but I was like, you know, what's the next game? Is it going to be banjo? Is it going to be something different? Then we got this. It looked beautiful, but I wasn't really sure what kind of game I was seeing. <laughs> and I'm still not sure. And it's like, I, mean, I thought a lot about it, and I'm still not 100% sh- sure how the gameplay is actually going to work. You know, and it's sort of my excitement has sort of grown about it the more I learn about the people who are working on it and how excited they are, you know, on what games they've worked on in the past. And it's like my confidence that they're going to make this something great has, like, skyrocketed. Well, it kind of reminds me of... Um like the DKC hype back in the 90s where like you know leading up to DKC you had both Rare and Nintendo of America were mm-hmm. really getting in on like you know the old monkeying around oh let's have some banana soup or whatever and like I mean that DKC exposed video I know that wasn't Rare but it's still in that same vein like to me you know the DKC exposed video where like everyone at NOA is going all DK crazy that kind of yeah, reminds yeah. me of like the Twycross reaction to Sea of Thieves, the way they're all dressing up as pirates and pissing around. Yeah, I'm just just seeing all the videos that they've been putting out and their talk like a pirate day and mm. just, you know, reading people's Twitters. It's just like everyone just seems so happy and excited to be working on what they're working on. 
and that's something we I mean I don't I can't speak for what what it's been like or how happy they've been with their past projects but it's just something they I don't know you didn't really see in like the last five <clears throat> ten years maybe well <clears throat> have you seen on YouTube the behind the scenes of nuts and bolts development I'm not talking about the recent rare revealed one but like the one from like 2008 2009 where they're talking about why and how they made nuts and bolts uh, I remember seeing one of them. Was that the one that had like uh, Gavin Price in it? Oh, I, I, remember seeing... remember. I remember Greg Miles is in it. I don't remember who else is in it, but because it's been a while. But I remember it's shot in like a really weird style where like it's kind of like really moody lighting or like I don't know. They're talking like they're in a rehab clinic and like they've just come off heroin. And they're like <laughs> they're all gathered around, like shivering. They look cold and depressed, and they're like. Yeah, we we had to make a new banjo, and yeah, we just thought, you know, there's cars and it's like platforming from another angle. Have you got some smack? (laughs) (laughs) And you compare that to this, where it's all like bright and fuzzy and like, wee, pirates, pirates. And uh, I see like Louise O'Connor's on Twitter just saying how happy she is about her job and she has the best job in the world, and she actually gets to make a game about pirates for a living, and. Then you well, see Greg Miles talking about finally, after all these years of, of sticking pirates in games, I finally get to make one. <laughs> well, um, it's just, uh, I don't know, I guess for Louise O'Connor, I guess she's glad she just doesn't have to animate dying squirrels for six months and have nightmares. <laughs> yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's definitely great. I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure they had. There's a lot of. Uh, I'm sure they had a lot of fun, even with nuts and bolts, and some of these other games. But you always felt that there was a little bit more of studio direction, or, or above a direction of what. Yeah, they I know. Do. I know. I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> can I just a quick aside about Louise O'Connor? I can't take her seriously anymore because whenever I see her, I just hear Barry and Leafos. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she seems like a really nice lady, though. I'm glad on, she's it, stuck around. It is Lethos she plays, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Lethos and um, Barry. She, so she does a couple sound bites for uh, cameo too, like some of her like, I think like her hit sound effects, like some of the grunts she makes. I think that's her as well. Okay. I love cameo. We really need to do a cameo spotlight soon. Yes, we should. Yeah, I think. I was probably just a little bit burnt out after because you know that was the last game on Rare Replay that I did, and I was so like exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, so let's let's move on to uh, next few frames of the trailer. So after that opening shot where you wake up, um, the first thing we kind of see is uh, thieves. Thieves, yes, there's thieves everywhere. Well, no, you see a campfire. Yeah. And um, anyone who's played video games, particularly role-playing games, the campfires are kind of like the universal sign of either a save point, a rest point, campsite, some place to restore something. So this could be like kind of a sign that um, campfires could have a particular use. Well, it reminded me of, uh, did you play the reimagined Tomb Raider from like two years ago? Yes. Yeah. You know, their campsites are like, um, it's save point fast track point and uh where you can craft and upgrade your like skill set 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of like all-in-one upgrade station. Um, <clears throat> I'm guessing it'll have a similar function in Sea of Thieves. Could be. Um, if you look uh, sort of uh, to the barrels to like the left of the campsite, there's also a little lantern too. And the thing I noticed interesting about that is that you see um, later on in the trailer, you're actually carrying a lantern that looks almost the same. So I'm not sure... All right. Oh yeah, on top of the barrels. Yep. I'm about, so about its timestamp is twenty four <clears throat> seconds. So I'm wondering if that could hint at like a lot of these objects being interact interactive. So maybe those bottles and stuff you could even pick up and interact with. Yeah. When well, I'm looking at those bottles, I'm thinking it'd be kind of like cool to just grab them and smash mm-hmm. them on some enemy's head. And then we see a few like little pouches <clears throat> and stuff too. So I wonder if you can just sort of like you know pick up and drop these stuff at will. Or this could be kind of like a point where you can just have all your stuff and take it with you or leave it there. I don't know. (laughs) But, alright, moving on. Uh, There's just a bunch more walking. We see kind of like a little cave. um, There's some cool fire effects as well on the torch. Yeah, if you look around 34 seconds in, you get a nice view of um, like some cave paintings. Oh yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, um, behind the torch, I never noticed that. There's like a mm-hmm. is that a pirate ship painted on the wall. I'm not sure, I, you know, who would have done those because they didn't really seem like pirate drawings. So I'm wondering if that could hint at sort of uh, maybe there being some kind of native group on some of these islands. We see a few. Um, if you look down below the paintings, there's a few skulls there too. So it looks kind of like. I don't know, it almost looks like a burial ground or something in that cave. Right, I've changed my mind. I'm looking at the paintings. It looks like um, they're like older style boats, like maybe mm-hmm. some settlers who came... Like, I'm sure we spoke about this before, but you, you've watched Lost, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just I get confused because we've kind of been catching up on each other's pop culture history so fast <laughs> over the past few months. But yeah, you know like how um, the the boats that um oh god was it like jacob and the man in black like they had a boat they used to fuck around in in the oh, I, might, I might be getting things mixed up i'm well, season six in a few years there was a whole well that's later on let's just say there was a whole season where like um that one group like sawyer and the other group like built that raft and tried to get off the island oh yeah no i'm not <laughs> talking about that i'm talking okay. about the the Jacob and the Man in Black, like it was always that thing where like boats were coming to the island, like anyone coming to the island. But um I think it was Jacob's Yeah, ja- yeah, um the mother of the twins arrived on the island on a boat, didn't she? Because the woman who raised Jacob and the Man in Black wasn't the biological mother. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember? Oh, the biological. Man, it's been so long since I've seen the last season. Basically, the mother of the man in black and Jacob, the biological mother, was a pregnant woman who came to the island on a boat. Oh yeah, that's right. And then the the other mother, like the one who raised them, just killed her as soon as she gave birth. Yeah, there was some like dark stuff surrounding those two's origin. Yeah, I really kind of want to watch that whole series through again. Oh, we should I, do it, man. Because I watched it so spaced out, and I think I even missed some of the first season. I think I've seen, like, the... Fucking wanker. 
season maybe it was one the was second the season. Oh, maybe I saw. I think I think it was maybe season two that I missed some of because, well, at the time, you know, this was before it was really easy to get stuff online. Mm. Um, I didn't have any cable. I just had the rabbit ears on the TV. And uh, the ABC, the channel that showed that, from where I was living, it barely came in. So it was like you'd have to do all these ridiculous things with the antennas to try to get get the station to come in. Even when it did, it looked terrible. And so I ended up just like not watching it for a little bit until it started getting really popular. Okay. Then I remember then I think I caught some repeats of the first season, but I sort of missed out on a lot of the second. I think we should. Um... We should rewatch the whole show together, like simulcast it. <laughs> we start, I, I... <laughs> start, start a side a side lost podcast. The lost cast. The lost cast. <laughs> um, anyway, look, we'll, we'll, you know, we can sort that out off air. Um, <laughs> I was just saying, like the the painting, it reminds me of that kind of lost style. You know, like you find like a little. Uh, you know, these images which are hints to the past, and I don't know. This to me says maybe this island, because of course. I'm imagining the whole game is going to be a huge archipelago. So this, it's not like this is some major important center of the game, but perhaps this island in particular, you know, happens to have had settlers on there from long before. Yeah. And just looking at all those skulls around the painting, I'm wondering if maybe they're dead settlers. Maybe some of the skeletons you see. Possibly. Could be from them. Even though they do kind of look like pirate skeletons. But <laughs> All right, so... Moving on, we see some birds. Not much to see there, except that they're very pretty birds. Mm-hmm. I like... One thing I, no, I just noticed now, um, there's actually leaves falling from the trees. Yeah, didn't you notice that back then? I somehow missed that, I don't know. I was always taking in like the other things. But that's really cool, you don't really see that a whole lot um, of that detail, dealing with foliage, to actually have uh, leaves falling to the ground. The shadows look beautiful. If... If you actually, like, raised your view to the tree line, I wonder if they would be actual individual leaves literally falling off the model, or if it's just, you know, random leaf effects. That yeah, just I know. That. Wouldn't it be cool if the leaves actually, you know, fell off the tree and then stayed on the ground? Oh. And, evil, and then you could, like, even move them when your feet, with your feet when you stepped over them? Oh, that'd be super cool. I don't know if they're <laughs> going to go that far, but one day... and then we see the pirate skeleton um stabbed through onto a tree how do you know he's a pirate skeleton like why do you think he's a pirate i i just figured he was because he's got like the big huge belt over his shoulder the big buckle and i don't know he just looks kind of like a pirate i mean it could just be a standard sailor i guess just his garb his garb is very Sort of, you know, several hundred years old nautical style. But then I'm wondering, like, why is he, like, how long has he been dead to have decomposed to a skeleton that much? Yeah. Hmm. Um. That's interesting. Um, hold on. Okay. It's like something, or I'm, I'm like looking through these frames. Oh, I think it's a flower. But I was noticing if you look behind the barrels in maybe about frame 52, it looks like there's something orange, yeah, there's like some orange. behind it. Yeah. You never really get a good look at what it is. I think it's just flowers, though. I think it's orange soda. 
orange soda, just some orange soda sitting there. <laughs> well, this 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 is definitely intentional. They wanted you to see this, but um, we come up to kind of a rock, um, and we see what pretty much looks like a uh, kraken. What's a kraken? A kraken. For those sorry people who have never seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, is basically a gigantic octopus. Oh, okay. No, I saw the Pirates movies, but I always fall asleep during them because I don't really like them. What? Oh, I love them. I, I, we're I, just like release the Kraken, and then you I, know the big. Octopus I loved comes. the first movie, but then I watched I, went, I watched the second one twice, and I fell asleep both times. So. Really? I really liked the second one. The third one I thought was the only one that was kind of weak. Maybe I should rewatch them. I mean, I was kind of that was during my like cynical, like mid twenties, depressive stage. So yeah, I mean, you if you try to pick them apart, you can find tons and tons of flaws. They're just such like fun, feel good movies, and that's kind of what they're supposed to be. If you take them too serious, the plots fall to pieces. But yeah. and I I just I just love the characters and the art design of those movies and Davy Jones, my namesake as a giant squid face or <laughs> whatever the hell he is, or an octopus face um, but anyway, back to these drawings um, what's really interesting about them is we see a boat that looks kind of like next to the Kraken which kind of looks similar to the one in the cave and then below that we see another line of people with their hands in the air and it almost looks like they're like worshipping the Kraken Mm. So, kind of gets the feeling that this kraken has been around where this location, wherever they are, for a long period of time, and may have even been worshipped as a deity. So theoretically, there could be even like in this location, maybe a culture sort of built around the idea of a giant octopus. So I think. Take that in pretty cool places if they wanted to. You know, you could have like maybe, you know, buildings with like, you know, octopus shaped art or tentacles in random places. Oh, they're definitely worshipping him, by the way. I've just looked. If you look, especially the ones on the end, you can tell they're actually kneeling down. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're definitely worshipping him. So, I'm looking at the three at the very bottom on that first rock. There's, like, one... There's, like, a bigger one that looks like a... Almost looks like he's wearing a robe. And then there's one that looks like he's laying on the ground. What if they're engaged in human sacrifice to the Kraken? Which one? Sorry. Okay, um... At the bottom uh, right, there's yeah. three. There's one just a little bit beside. There's one that's kind of, like, got darker lines. Looks a little bit fatter. Like, he could be wearing robes. Yeah. And then there's one that looks like he's laying down next to him. So what if that oh, one's being sacrificed? Yeah. <laughs> Human sacrifice to the Kraken. But I don't know if they'll probably take the game that dark, but I'm going to imagine they are. <laughs> um, okay, so next up after that, the first real big surprise of the trailer, I think, and this is what sent a few people off, was... Um, you see some bird run past, and above her head, there's a name tag saying Laura Lutz. Yep. And uh, run, you get another nice shot of another skeleton, too, as you could look right as she run past. I don't know what's up with that, but... Yeah, um, this is the first, you know, basically um, tip-off that 
there's going to be a heavy multiplayer focus in this game. Though to what extent, we're still not sure yet. Because I even think back to games like uh, Assassin's Creed Unity that were basically unveiled in sort of a multiplayer fashion and then turned out to primarily be single-player games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the name of the game is Unity, implying that the whole thing is multiplayer-based, but it's, you know, it's a single-player game with and a few like things thrown in. Four so, or five multiplayer missions that no one ever yeah. does. So, it's with what they've shown so far, it's so hard to tell. But I think... I think they're being honest with us to an extent about being heavily, at least heavily multiplayer focused. I don't think it's going to be a true MMO. I think we've speculated about this before, but I think... No, it's... they've already confirmed it's not an MMO. Yeah. Phil's... I think it was Phil Spencer actually said it's not an MMO. So, I'm expecting this Spencer. more to be something, you know, like Destiny or Halo 5, where the game is designed around being other people there. But if they're not, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be completely out of luck. I don't know. I just assumed it would be like drop in, drop out. Or, yeah. or maybe like the way the GTA Five lobby works. Not the actual multiplayer mm-hmm. games, but you know the lobby, the way like you'll have like anyone on your friends list plus a bunch of other random mates. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to see where they are exactly on your map. Um, and you can interact with them or you can go off and do your own shit. Yeah, I feel for part of what they're going through, there has to be a way to sort of randomly run into people. Yeah. So that's why I think I brought this up with how um, Destiny kind of does it, where it's like, um, you know, either by yourself or with a party, those people are always with you. And then it'll sort of randomly, other people's games will sort of collide with yours. And you'll see these people come into your game. But if you keep following them, they're sort of like evaporate into the distance eventually. As they go into someone else's game or go back to theirs. So I think something like that would really work well with Sea of Thieves. Except, you know, just when, unlike Destiny, where you can't play it offline. I would like Sea of Thieves to sort of have a mode where basically you can be completely by yourself. If it's to the point where you need other people to progress, you know, you could just have, like, AI like Halo 5, where you have people following Oh, I think, I assume there'll be a lot of AI characters you can get to join your party anyway, so... I I bet you're going to have probably, like, a whole crew. I wouldn't be surprised. Because I couldn't see how, you know, for you to run a pirate ship, that couldn't be dependent on all of your friends being online for you to operate that pirate ship. There'd have to be, you know, people there on your ship that's crawled by the computer mm. in order to, you know, make the game fun 90% of the time when your mates are online. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure how exactly that's going to work. I'm wondering if they could do kind of like um, a command system or maybe you could even, like, command them to go around and do things for you. That'd be kind of cool if you had, like, basically an army of, like, minions. Not an army, but, you know, a large amount. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I'm i assuming my take on it is that when you approach a ship, I don't know if you'll have one ship, like, in Black Flag, or if it'll be, like, there'll be a generic ship avatar kind of thing. And, like, you know, whenever you find a ship, you can instantly take control of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm imagining it'll always be stocked up with 
the regular crew, but if your mates are around, they can take over certain duties. Like, say for example, if I was playing on, let's just say I'm on island number twenty-two, and then you join a game. Well, you start your game, and you're on island number twenty-one. You can sail over and find me, and then we can jump on the same ship together and like choose whatever role we want. Like, you know, I could become captain. Or you and you you could become like the uh, I don't know I don't know the name of the roles, but you could be the guy who does the flag mm-hmm. or something, or the guy who does the cannon, and then we could mess around. And then like if you wanted to go do something else, you could sort of um, maybe have maybe it'd be like a D-pad quick command system where you could just set someone to take over that role. Yeah, they could even just kind of like you know always be if they see something empty, someone will just come. Yeah. It'll sort of if you could like you know go up, hit a button, and they're like, hey, you can take over now. Kind of like you know how old Halo used to work. If you want to get behind a warthog or a gun, you know they just get out of your way and give it to you. Yeah, yeah, something kind of like that. Um, but moving on in the video, um, we notice that we. They sort of come into an open area, and we see the first uh, glimpse of the pirate ship. Mm-hmm. And one thing I noticed this time is that there does seem to be... It was funny, because I was talking about, like, Kraken art, and there seems to be a Kraken... Um, what do they call that head of the ship with the uh, sculpture on it? I feel like there's a name for that. The sculpture head. The sculpture head. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there, got, there like, is a name, but I completely forgot. I did know it for a while, because yeah, I was so into Black Flag. So this ship in particular seems to have, uh, you know, I'm guessing these are going to be interchangeable, but it's just funny how it's talking about maybe the culture of this area is going to have a lot of Kraken heart because they hold Krakens in in such high regard. Yeah. So that could even buy into that, that maybe this, maybe, um, maybe there could even be different like sort of factions and maybe this particular area is faction that sort of centers around uh, Krakens or they're just interchangeable and they really liked Krakens. (laughs) Uh, um, what else is going on in this scene? We see Greg Miles 89. You know, we've talked a lot about Greg Miles. He's a bearded pirate, apparently. 89 is the year he joined Rare as well. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, cool. Yeah, you see... I know Chris Marlowe uh, shows up somewhere, too, in this trailer. And he's the the voice of the Great Mighty Pooh, for you people who don't know that delightful bit of information. <laughs> Um, or isn't his name actually like Chucky Pooh or something like that? I always forget yeah, it's, his real it's name. Chucky Pooh, but the Great Mighty Pooh's um, <laughs> stage name, I guess, or just the name of the boss. I don't know, but yeah, his real name's Chucky Pooh because <laughs> he chucks his poo. I get yeah, it. that's clever. Um, <laughs> so skipping forward a little bit, we finally get to see him actually on the ship. Yep. Um, see now this is why I think you can like just take over whatever job you want at any point because it shows like Laura's on the on the the wheel Greg's Mm -hmm. climbing up the is it the mast where that ladder goes yeah yeah and um one chappers is doing that is He's on the ropes. Uh, well, hang on. Is there any rare stuff like chap, chappers, chappy, something? I can't think of one. Okay. Oh, dude. Look at... Where, which time code are you on? I'm on 128. Right. Get to 129. 
Right. <laughs> you okay. see, you see the green railing that goes around to where the wheel is. Mhm. You see on the right-hand side of the railing how the paint's like stripped off or, or come oh, off. I've never noticed that before. That is really cool, though. <laughs> That's attention to detail. That's awesome. Like, <clears throat> I just, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of thought like everything was like one tone kind of thing yeah no that's and it looks it looks legit too it doesn't look just like a repeating texture in places it actually mm. looks uniquely worn out in different places it looks like they painted the whole model they didn't mm-hmm. just like texture wrap it it's like they actually ah oh, that's 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 great there, that there's is. so much detail in this <laughs> game like, I, I feel like a lot of people aren't noticing it because it's more of a cartoony style. Yeah. And they just choose not to notice it. But there's, like, so much love and care put into these little details. Mm. Um, the other thing I've always I found fascinating about this bit is that one Chappers is looks like he's engaged in raising a sail by hand. Yeah. So it makes me think that, you know... If you're part of the on the ship, you can actually take an active role in controlling the bits and pieces of the ship rather than just you know turning it around. Yeah. So you might even be able to have your friends hoist the sails <laughs> and do things like that for you. <laughs> That's just really cool though, because it means you know if you're all on a headset together, you can all you can kind of even sort of give the commands as like a captain and have everyone kind of like you know coordinate it. I feel like that might go horribly wrong a lot of times too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, uh, I mean, we've already talked about the the, the water, but again, mm-hmm. it looks amazing. I love the wave splashes when you get all that white mist and foam. yeah, and just seeing the way the the boat moves, it's like it's reacting to all the different waves and bobbing correctly, like a boat should. Yeah, and Black Flag. Didn't really have that unless you got hit with a really big one. But that thing is. Oh, like I think it did. A little bit, but not to that extent. Mm. Like I, you didn't get that constant sort of, you know, never really hundred percent stable look that it looks like in Sea of Thieves. At least maybe I'm just not remembering right. Yeah, I think you're misremembering it. Okay, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just dumb. <laughs> I, I just know it looks wrong. better than of these, Black but... Flag. Huh. I, I, all I'm saying is that it, to me that looked more realistic boat movements than in Black Flag. Well, I, I'll replay Black Flag when I get a chance soon. Okay. Um, right, I can't see who that other lad is up on the left-hand side of the ship. He's a bit mm-hmm. too far, real something. I don't know. I can't make it out because I'm watching on my phone. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's just move on to the... Oh. Oh, I can see. I've paused it just the... His name is... Re... It looks like Real Beard. Real Beard. What is it with the beards, man? Pirates and beards, man. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, so moving right. on. Greg and Laura uh, searching through the woods like Kate and Jack in Lost. Yeah, and uh, this looks like that, that lantern I was talking about earlier that we yeah. saw... Um, on the barrel earlier. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a cool because it looks like there's probably going to be day and night uh, cycles. And the lighting looks quite good. I really wish they would showed more of that scene. It was so brief because I didn't really get to see anything 
of what they were doing, but they're all just kind of walking. Just all the foliage movements looked excellent. Yeah. But there's nothing much really to discern from that. No. Um, it just, yeah, it just shows, you know, you can go on, I guess, night quests. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up, our lad finds a, uh, a treasure chest. Treasure chest. So I have it paused at 139 here. Hmm. Also, I, I really wish I had like went through this frame by frame before, and I'm just looking at um, the chest itself and this the reflections from the lantern onto the metal bits of the chest, mm. and just how good it looks. <laughs> yeah, it's especially just... on the the strap on the right, mm-hmm. it looks like like yeah. And there's just so much unique detail and like every bit of the chest like you don't see repeating textures or anything like that like all the pieces of wood all the paneling all the metal everything looks kind of unique i guess like you said before kind of like with star fox and conquer's very shenanigans it's Mm -hmm. um these realistic touches and attention to detail that can make a cartoon feel like a living world yeah yeah that's something that rare has done really really well anyway uh, uh, he kicks open the chest and then suddenly a skeleton seems to get annoyed yeah what? and like i'm trying to tell if, it, if he's coming alive or like materializing like i think i think he's just coming alive so I, I i'm betting um maybe some of these skeletons we saw earlier maybe given the right circumstances maybe some of those can literally come to life maybe it has to be night maybe you have to get their treasure or maybe it's you know a combination of both but I'm, you know, wondering if like a lot of these things that just look doormat and harmless could potentially be deadly, given the right set of parameters. Like a no- so basically a nocturnal enemy. Yeah, it looks like one comes alive, and then we got another one crawling out of the sand. Yeah. If you look closely, it looks like he has like an arrow or a spear or something like shoved through his ribs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see. Um, and we get a brief shot of what looks like uh, gold pieces if you pause it at like 143 you can actually see that that chest is just full to the very brim to gold pieces so it looks like you did indeed find some pirate treasure (laughs) and then we see yet another pirate uh, crawling out of a rock this guy's got like a hook arm and he basically gets right in your face, raises the hook above his head as if to attack you, and then it goes black and they change scenes. <laughs> <laughs> right so, right before, you know, we got to learn about how combat works. Oh, by the way, um, yeah, now it's switched back to the uh, the boat scene. Mm-hmm. That ladder thought was real beard. It's real Beano. Oh, it's Robin Bean Lind. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yep, uh, that's his. That's his name on Twitter too. <laughs> oh. So um, I don't know where Laura Lutz is. I'm, she must be. A, I'm trying to think of who the Laura is at Rare. Hmm. Might have hmm. to do some. Might have to do some LinkedIn stalking later. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another one of the scenes that I think really stood out to me, just because um, they're basically it's like. Four players, including yourself, forcing another player to walk the plank. Yeah. And Which, um, m- apparently, that's all like a real-time thing. That's not a... 
it, it's not like um, you know you go up to the plank press A and then you start you know making them. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's actually uh, like I guess you just do it in real time. Like you can just choose to approach someone and force them off the plank if you really wanted to. Yeah, what's fascinating too is just the movements, and it looks almost like a cutscene the way he's walking backwards, mm. and just the quality of the animation there, and the freaking sharks. like i i wonder if there's like always just sort of different um sea creatures around there or do they just kind of like materialize when um you know you get some in the other plank Mm. another cool thing I, i didn't notice this before is you actually see what looks like an island in the distance from that shark screen which time code sorry uh one we're at 148 it's just where the sharks are, and you can see yeah. a sort of silhouetted island in the distance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Look, with like, um, it almost looks like the Lost Island, where you got a big one, then a tiny one just next mm-hmm. to it. Two tiny ones. I think it's oh, cool yeah. that you actually can see uh, that far out too, because it actually looks fairly realistic. The um, kind, kind of like the... Wind Waker, but more realistic. Yeah, you know, Wind Waker, you, you can see like a silhouette of the broken island. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of hazed, obviously, so the detail will be fading as you got close, but it, it doesn't look like an unrealistic haze. Like, that's the that's the type of haze you might actually expect to see in real life, as opposed to just unnecessary fog to, hide, to cover up draw distances. I'm a bit confused, though, because you said the bit with the swimming sharks, but all I can see is swimming whales. Oh, I assume those were sharks, because that's no. right after the plank bit. Hang on, let me just go back. Uh... Right. A bit with the plank. Oh, no, there's... Oh, yeah, there's sharks. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry, no, no. It was the colouring. The colouring of the water reflected, yeah. No, you're right, they are sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, right, let's move towards wrapping this up now because uh, it's nearly 3.30 in the morning over here. Oh, okay. okay. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's fine, mate. Uh, to be honest, I thought we'd be stuck after 10 minutes, so this has turned out really well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so from here, we kind of uh, go to another pirate ship approaching. Um, mm-hmm. And then it kind of cuts to black, and then it goes closer to the other pirate ship with red sails. And we get to see sort of um, the first look at player versus player combat. What I can see on the other ship is Viva Ryan P., you know Ryan P? Um, that could be the... There's an artist, Ryan. I can't remember his last name. But he doesn't start with a P, I'm pretty sure. So I'm not sure who that is. Uh, Shelly Presto. <laughs> is that the chick next to the cannon? Yeah, because they go... The camera pan, pans over to the uh, red-sailed ship. I'm at, a, I'm at exactly two minutes right now. And this guy's oh, okay. got some cool parrot feathers. And you also see that this whole ship has a different painting um, than the previous one. I'm looking at that same part that was, like, peeled before. And this one doesn't look peeled, but it's got, like, a nice blue stripe. And so we just kind of go back and forth to the different ships uh, shooting one another. And then... Um, at 2.06, it looks like we have almost like first-person control over a cannon as the other ship sort of approaches. 
and we have a different, uh, you know, sculpture head thing on the next ship, which, you know, obviously plays as a thing before, saying that the ships are going to be somewhat customizable. Yeah, just like um, Black Flag, I think you could, like, buy up to about 20 different... No, more than that. It's probably, like, mm-hmm. 50 different things you could put at the front of the ship. Um, so, assuming they're customizable, they could be the whole, I mean, the whole ship could theoretically come as is, and there could be even a faction thing, like I mentioned before, where there could be you know different factions of pirates, and you have to join one, and maybe they have certain you know ship designs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and from there, it pretty much just cuts to uh, you know the Sea of Thieves logo, and we've already talked a bit uh, before about uh, the ra- the stylings on the of the rare logo that they're going to be using. Well, hopefully, let let me just say before we skip to that bit. Um, on the ship next to Shelley, there's a guy called Joe Eight T. Any hmm. idea? Any idea of a Joe? I got no idea. I need to I need to stock rare on LinkedIn more. Shelly Presto is the water wheel chick, isn't she? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, you can tell that's like <laughs> she's been so busy building that water wheel for the last year. They had to make her the captain. Just to give her <laughs> she's that. That's her whole job is design one rider reel. <laughs> it's like no, you can't go home until this looks perfect. <laughs> but I've already spent all my days. Don't do the <laughs> I don't even know why I was doing like a. I don't know what kind of voice I was. She's doing. not Mary Mary. She's a Midlands chick. She basically <laughs> sounds like me, but with. I was going to say with boobs, but you can't sound like you've got boobs. Uh, she sounds like <laughs> a feminine version of me. Okay. All right, lads. I made this fucking water wheel. Like, and it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and you just see like. Her talking about the water wheel over and over, and you see like Adam Park like putting his thumbs up and looking at the camera like shit. So should... <laughs> someday I'll get, I'll be able to tell uh, where they're from by accent because I, I, like, I can tell all the, a lot of the different British accents, but uh, I, I couldn't tell you where they're from. What's well, interesting um, when I was, uh, well, okay, yeah, little spoiler here. Um, I'm going on a date tomorrow, my first proper date for a little while, um, and like I was talking to her like through messaging for ages, and then we like first spoke on the phone yesterday, and she actually said, and she's British, so she should know even more than you, but she said that she wouldn't have been able to place me from any location based on my voice. She said mm-hmm. I'm quite well spoken considering the area I'm from, <laughs> so. I don't know. What do you think? I sound really common, or no? I mean, you don't sound like a you know. A, well, from what I can tell, not being from Britain, but you don't really sound like one of the really sort of upper. I guess would it be upper class with the right word British accent. That's oh yeah, yeah. In like London, the, the super kind of yeah, like, super posh voice that you a lot of times is stereotypical of like the London area. But you don't sound like the super, super like really common voice like Ozzy Osbourne or Grant Kirkhope either. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like in between, I would say. Hang so, on, yeah. Ozzy Osbourne's a Brummie, Grant Kirkhope's a Northerner. You know what? I, well, they're both really hard to understand. So <laughs> I, I know they sound different, but they both, to me, sound like they have, I guess, common accents from different locations. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I think the most the the most difficult 
accent to understand is probably the Geordie accent, you know, uh, Newcastle. Oh, okay. See, I thought it would be um, Yorkshire. Ah, Yorkshire's alright. Really? Okay, because I've heard some really, like, extreme ones where they start using, like, really weird words. <laughs> what? A- it's like, it's like more, I've watched a few, like, when they talk to, like, other people who aren't from Yorkshire, they're easy to understand when I hear, like, you know, a couple Yorkshire people talking to each other. And then they start to revert to their own local slang. I love how you say Yorkshire. Okay, how am I supposed to pronounce it? Just Yorkshire. Yorkshire? Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. See, I'll, tell you, it, I'll tell you what. I'm going to do a little test. I'm going to write now in the Skype window the name of the county that I'm from, and I want you to pronounce it uh, the <laughs> best way you can. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> oh. Well. Oh, it's a Ro- very famous Rochester. Rochester. You missed off the last five letters. Well, okay. Oh, Rochester, Rochestershire, Rochestershire. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. It's Worcestershire. West Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Okay. Have you never heard of Worcester sauce? No. I'm don't sorry. You, you have Worcester sauce in America. I know you do because. My ex-girlfriend's dad was American. He knew Worcester sauce. Well, I don't You've know. Got, hang on, things. there's two Worcesters in America. There's like Worcester, Massachusetts. And, but they probably pronounce it Worcester over there. Probably. They're probably pronouncing it entirely differently. And, yeah, I don't know half the towns in Massachusetts. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what's funny. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I'm like 20 miles out of Birmingham. Yeah. Well... When I was in New York, you know, I mentioned last week about that Hawaiian chick that I met. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this, the, the the app where I met her, I had my locations listed as Birmingham, but it didn't say UK; it just said Birmingham. And I went round there, like to her apartment. It was classy, and um, <laughs> I knocked on the door um, because, well, actually, yeah, I'll give you a little background. She lived in Harlem. Oh, uh, so like. This is like a Sunday night, and, and I just like got the train over from Brooklyn over to Manhattan, and then like I got I can't remember the name of the line, but I had to go all the way up to Harlem, which I know you, you know that's like one of the more rough areas of New York. Yeah, yeah, I've I've never been there, and I've heard it's not as bad, you know, in modern times as it was, but it still definitely has that reputation. Well, I got off um, the at the station. I think it was like. I think it was like 127th Street or something. It was like north of Central Park anyway. And um, I got off. And don't get me wrong. I'm not racist in any way whatsoever. But there's something terrifying about being a well-dressed white man in a suit. You get off like late on a Sunday night. And there's just all these like gangsters everywhere. (laughs) I was walking through these streets with all these like boarded up burnt out shops and there were these guys up playing boom boxes and staring at me like what the fuck is that guy doing? Oh god I'm not going to do the voice. (laughs) Yeah he Um, looks like he had yeah. Go on. I think it's yeah definitely the being well dressed part like (laughs) I don't think, you know, the, your race would be as much of a problem as in looking like you had a lot of money in that area. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but um, 
I was like walking around, smiling at everyone, trying to be polite. And um, anyway, I uh, this this chick like she just given me this address, and it was like I got I got to the street, and like these apartments, it just looked really terrifying. They're really dark, really run down old apartments, and um, I just suddenly thought, hang on. What am I doing? I'm 5,000 miles from home. I'm entering a strange apartment in the middle of the night in Harlem. And then I thought, okay, this is, it's just funny though. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically I went up and um, it was on like the fifth floor or something. So I got all the way up and I knocked on the door and I suddenly thought, there could be a dude in there with a gun. Oh my God, I'm in America. There's guns over here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> She, luckily, she answered the door, and she was really cool. Well, she was only wearing a shirt. I thought that was quite rude. I don't, I, you know, I, you should have had some pants on, but whatever. Um, and then I started talking, and she was like, wait, you're not from Birmingham, Alabama? And I'm like, nah, I'm from Birmingham in England, mate. <laughs> <laughs> she just burst out laughing. She was like, okay. And I was like, is that a problem? She's like... Nah, I just uh, I struggle with British accents. So I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, it's not my voice I've come here to show you, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at you, Kev. Always the ladies' man. Yeah, I was. Um, I'm not going to say what we did that night, but let's just say her apartment was very smoky, and uh, I slept for twelve hours afterwards. <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Moving on. <laughs> the point is, what I was trying to say is, regional differences are weird, aren't they? How yeah. do How do we even get onto this? I I don't remember because I mispronounced uh, Yorkshire. Yeah, but how did we? Even... Oh, forget it. It's it's more I fun. I don't remember. It's more fun. Just like. <laughs> We've landed where we are. Let's finish it off there. Um, basically, I think I should go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> I can only imagine. I'm, I'm really tired myself. I can only imagine what it is for you. I've been up since seven a.m. It's now three twenty-two a.m. <laughs> Tomorrow, I've got that date I told you about. I've got a recording session with the next mystery guest. It's going to be a long ass weekend, but you know. It's for you, the viewers. This is why we do it. I could mm. quite easily have said, Dave, we're not doing one this week. But I thought, nah. we got to get that yeah, pirate but... ship. we got to rip it piece by piece. So, <sighs> yep, I hope I hope you enjoyed this. Um, this. I don't know when this will be up. <laughs> I don't know. So. <laughs> I'm just yeah, lost it, in my memory. It's, pro- it's, it's, it's probably going to go up a little bit later than we've been doing recently because it's so late Saturday night. Because we usually do this either, you know, kind of early mid-afternoon or sometimes the morning Saturdays, and now it's Sunday night, so it's definitely not going to be up until at least Sunday. And I have to see Spectre tomorrow, so I might not get as much chance to work on it. <laughs> yeah, well, Spectre's only two hours. That's no excuse. Actually, yeah, it's like two hours. Yeah, but then you go out, you'll probably get good dinner and be out in town a little bit before that. Oh, are you, you going to go to uh, uh, Wendy's? <laughs> Wendy's? Yeah. No. Do you know Wendy's? The, uh, the burger place? Yeah, Wendy's. It's American. I went there in America. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I just seen a very random one to pull out. No, because it's we don't have it. Like we've got everything else pretty much, but we don't have Wendy's. Um, and it's really it's nice. It's just it's like a posh McDonald's. Yeah, it's all right, I guess. It, <laughs> I don't really eat there a whole lot. I had um, it was oh it was like a burger and uh, fries. And then the so, Burger Square for some. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the thing. It's like it, it doesn't really taste like anything special or that different from the other burger place, but it's square, so I call it the, ours. the Huey Lewis burger. It's hip to be square. <laughs> <laughs> they have a uh, their thing is their um, um, frosty shakes are pretty good. That's what everyone goes to Wendy's for anyway. Oh, the Chico's we've got a frosty shake, mm. but. I remember, yeah, she should try it. I was like, no, thanks. I'll just eat my burger. <laughs> yeah, that's I... like Wendy's trademark. They're frosty, I guess. And the square burgers. But... Well, well, we only went in there because I... <laughs> Funny story, actually. This was a different woman, by the way. It was like the day after. So I'd already moved on. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Basically, um, we'd been on a date. It was like three hours in. We'd been drinking for like three hours straight in this jazz bar in Lower Manhattan. And um, we're about to leave, and she was like, um, I'm going to use the restroom. And I was like, what, you're going to pop to the pisser? And <laughs> <laughs> so she went and, um, you know, she evacuated her piss tank. And um, she said to me, uh, oh, uh, do you need the restroom before we go? I was like, no, nah, I'm all right. And uh, I said, uh, oh, so where are we going now? And she said she had an early start the next day, so she had to go home. Hmm believable but anyway i said okay i'll walk you back to the uh sub subway what do they call it there is it subway station do they say subway yeah yeah and um i was like oh i'll run you back to the tube which is like what and i was like yeah oh, subway station anyway <laughs> she was like oh it's um it's about 11 blocks from here i said that's cool um because i was going that way anyway about one block away and i really needed a piss i was like oh, i should have gone in the bar and i thought oh no it's all right i'll hold it in and we've got like two or three more blocks. I was like, no, I really need to go. And I was like, can I just piss in the street here? And she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, well, in England, like, you can get fined, but no one really cares if it's late at night. Please just laugh. And she's like, oh, I wouldn't risk it. I mean, how is that? Because she didn't actually know herself. What is there a rule against pissing in the street? Yeah. Yeah, you could actually basically be branded a sex offender for the rest of your life. If someone actually seriously, yeah, yeah it'd be you could be branded for like indecent exposure, and you you would basically be like a. I think the there's different levels. I think it'd be a level three sex offender. Like you don't really hear about it happening that much, but if like a police officer decided to be a dick, they could do it if they wanted to. That's insane. It's <laughs> yeah. a good job I didn't then. <laughs> like but... I don't know if it would really affect you in the UK, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's interesting. Oh, I suppose that's another topic, isn't it? Like the uh, international exchange rate of offences. Like, if yeah, you did I... something there, would it carry over? Like, even though it's a stupid rule that doesn't even make sense, and yeah, you're in a different. I I don't know. Someone just probably got elected on being tough on sex crimes at some point. I don't really know. I'd have to look into it. But yeah, I can understand <laughs> if it was like if it was like three p.m. and you're pissing outside of school. I think obviously that's completely indecent. But I think. I don't know if it's like really late at night and it's you know in an alleyway. Yeah, no, it, it is kind of stupid. 
Yeah, it, I mean, and I, I do agree. It all the time, it shouldn't it theoretically could happen. It shouldn't. It should be like you know a fifty dollar fine or something like that. You know, not on a bloody. Anyway, um, <laughs> the point of the story was, she said, "Okay, we need to find a bathroom," and we went. She walked in this hotel. It was like a five star hotel. <laughs> she was like, "Can my date use the bathroom?" And they're like, "Get out." <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there was a Wendy's across the street and she was like, oh, come on, I'll take you here. And we walked in and the cleaner woman, she was like, no, 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 you know your bathroom, you buy food, buy many food. And I was like, oh, okay, so I had to buy the food before I could use the bathroom. So yeah, I brought a Wendy's meal and I had a piss and it was nice. So, is that what... <laughs> where are you going for lunch, Dave? Um, I don't know yet. Um... I haven't really thought about it. Probably whatever's near the movie theater. Uh, my wife really likes uh, Red Robin. I don't know if you have those in England. But... No, no. Okay. It's like a sit-down uh, place, but not super expensive. It's a chain. Chain of sit-down restaurants. Well, just before me and Jim and Andy, who we went with, just before we watched Spectre, we had a Mackey's. Hmm. You, know, you know what? I don't know. No, I don't know what that is. You, you know, you don't know what having a Mackey's is. No, didn't you see all the arguing on DK Vine about international? I don't know. I, I saw a bunch of it. I didn't realize it extended to that. I saw about the curry stuff, and then uh, yeah, having a Mackey's means having a McDonald's. Oh, really? Yeah, cause Mackey's is short. McDonald's is Mackey D's. <laughs> I, I like that you have you sort of word it like that too, where it's like having a instead of having some. <laughs> you don't have some McDonald's. You have a McDonald's. I know it's just interesting that we both decided to, that you know all these people that essentially speak the same language have basically just sort of formed it around their localized culture. So okay, if you had a meal in McDonald's, would you say I'm having some McDonald's or I'm having a McDonald's? Uh, we would say we're having some McDonald's. Yeah, but to me, that sounds like you're buying some shares. Oh, I'm having some McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> How much for each share, mate? I'd probably say I'm eating some McDonald's. I don't know if you know if we would say have. Like, what are you eating? McDonald's. Right, what are you going to have for lunch? McDonald's. Okay, yeah, I we'd say know. that, but... Oh, I don't know, it's weird. But then, like, you've got the other thing, like, um, you know, like, a lot of Americans say, oh, I'm writing you, whereas we mm-hmm. say, I'm writing to you. Um, I think... Both are probably used. Okay. Yeah, they're definitely shorter sometimes. Like, I'm writing to you, I'm writing you. I think it's just shorthand because Americans are lazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I think the last ten minutes have said more about Sea of Thieves than anything else. Yeah. So... <laughs> you should probably go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking absolute shit. I hope this uh, doesn't... <laughs> no, I think this is going to be entertaining, so maybe, I don't know. Okay, alright then. Well, um, what are we doing next week, Dave? Can you remember? Um, I remember what we're doing the week after next. I don't, do we have any, I don't think we have anything planned yet. Yeah, we actually. do. I'll tell you what, for once, let's break the format and let's give a little sneak preview. I'm going to pull up the episode list. Uh, not that people think we just make it up on the fly. <laughs> I'm going to laugh if, this, if it's blank for next week. 
It's not. It was at one point, unless you added it on there. I definitely added it on there. Well, I'm pretty sure I did. I'm sure we're like booked up now until like early December. Right. I'm clicking on the episode schedule. It's taking a little while to load because I'm in the dining room. It's... Oh! Ah! Next week <laughs> is a secret, and we're not going to tell you right now. Dave, there's oh. nothing down there. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Right, okay. I'm going to go to bed. I'm about to drop here. So, um, thanks for listening to this shit, everyone. And, um, we. <laughs> good night, guys. Yeah, everyone have a good night or morning or whatever the hell this goes up. Alright, see you later. <laughs> Bye.